Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here to talk to you about my friends over at SaveWithConrad.com. Are you looking to get out of debt? Conrad and his team can make that happen faster than me firing the hockey talk man. Wow. And you know that controversy creates cash, right? Do you know what doesn't create cash? Credit card debt. Save with Conrad can help you consolidate high interest credit cards and all of your other debt into one low monthly payment. They can even help you get the cash you need for home improvements or anything else. They've helped 83 weeks listeners save 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. Seriously, your papers are going to go down faster than nitro ratings in 2000. Ouch! And how about this? No house payments for two months. That's right, no house payments for two months. And unlike the dirt sheets, man, the reviews do not lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team can save you by checking out savewithconrad.com today. You'd be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! the uh, raw on the 12th mick foley cuts what's essentially a farewell promo Meltzer would right fans were happy to see him but he didn't seem happy and it came across he basically said he wouldn't be around much longer storyline was if alliance won he'd be out of a job but if the wwf won he'd also be out of a job because he didn't want to work for vince that took the crowd down he also mentioned that the previous week when tv was in nassau and the meadowlands that he was there both nights but they had nothing for him and he seemed upset in particular that on long Island, where he grew up, they couldn't find a reason to get him on raw, which was a true story. And, uh, it feels like he's probably burnt out and just ready to ride off into the sunset. Do you remember him expressing how frustrated he was with you at this point? He wasn't so frustrated with me. Uh, cause I didn't do the booking, uh, or the, or the, do the creative. But it is a head scratcher why on his home turf, a big star like Mick Foley wasn't on the card in some way. He's so versatile. He could have done a lot of things. He could cut a promo, could have wrestled. He could have done tags, uh, whatever. Uh, it's just funny to me that that couldn't be done. And I think to me, it goes back to the fact that, well, he's been here a long time. He's a, he's like that old comfortable pair of ugly house shoes. You just don't want to throw away because they, your feet slip right into the house shoe very simply and very, very easily. I think he was uh, taken for granted a lot, quite frankly. And let's remember when he first came to WWE, WWF, he was not at the top of the wish list. And I think that had a latent, you know, uh, and then he, he got over despite everything around him. Uh, and so anyway, I, I, I felt bad for Mick, you know, he did, he deserved better. He deserved better. And, uh, but you know, the, the jury had cast his verdict apparently. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here and let's talk about, um, Mick Foley. He's doing some unique fundraising for rain, the rape and abuse and incest national network. He's been working with them for a lot of time here. And for the month of April, he agreed anywhere in the country, of someone's lawn, they'll donate $5,000. So literally he's even the week of the pay-per-view here, mowing a lawn in Baltimore. 
and he's encouraging donations and said he'll match every donation he raises this month up to a $10,000 maximum. Uh, I don't think pro wrestling as a whole, you know, we always sort of hear about the bad stuff. I mean, for goodness sake, you and I have both participated in the dark side of the ring series, but as Jim Cornette says, why don't we have a happy side of the ring? Yeah, I saw that a couple of weeks ago. I loved that little clip. But Mick Foley here, man, this is this is a big deal. And what a great idea. Mick is another one. You know, Mick does. I mean, we hear about some of the things that Mick does. Mick does a lot of things we don't hear about. And, it, and you're right. And I think wrestling as a whole, because people love to jump all over whatever the controversy du jour happens to be, whether it's regarding talent or people in the office um, or anything. I mean, just love that, right? The, the touchy-feely stuff, the feel-good stuff, the things that actually matter aren't nearly as interesting in social media, so they don't get the kind of uh, awareness. But Mick is a, another perfect example of a guy. He, he lives to give. He really does. I, I don't know if anything brings him much more happiness than, than contributing and giving back and doing good. Mick is a very, very impressive and unique individual and 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 i'm not talking about his his legacy in the ring talking about his legacy as a human being he continued this uh, fundraising campaign even when he went to the uk uh, the gimmick there was anyone who donates five thousand dollars means he'll go to their house and spend at least two hours there when he goes to that country and um i don't know man i just i hope he gets a little more recognition for all the good stuff that he's doing it, what, what, a, what an amazing performer and human being to your point, you know, I think doing these podcasts these last few years, I've had a newfound appreciation and he's become a top five guy for me, just based on anywhere you put him in wrestling, he exceeded expectations, whether it was as cactus Jack or dude love or mankind, or just as Mick Foley, certainly in the commissioner role, uh, just on and on and on. But then you see the stuff that he does outside of the ring like this or the, not just wrestling. The world needs more dudes like Mick Foley. They do indeed. I'm playing with my cough button here. Is this, is this the little red one with the line through the speaker? Uh, you know what's funny, Eric? We have the same board, but mine's in a cabinet because on my end, my mute button is the word mute on the software that you're looking at on screen. Oh, shit. <laughs> I told you I was a high-tech redneck. <laughs> Damn, how long have we been doing this? And I just realized I can cough without offending anybody. This is fucking awesome. And you see, you learn something every single day. I love that. Even I, on this show, learns, and especially I, on this show, learn something new every time we do it. I love that. Something else in the news. Hogan worked with Bubba the Love Sponge in raising money for Unity, a group that provides money and goods to Plant City, Florida charities. Hogan allowed a local Chevrolet dealer to design a Hulk Hogan limited edition Camaro, and they raffled it off, raising more than $100,000. Uh, this is not uncommon that Hulk Hogan does charity work. I know back in the day, uh, he was the guy who was out front doing it for the WWE. Long before Cena was making wishes, Hogan was too. But even in the later years, he's still doing that. I mean, since you and I have been doing the podcast, I think he raffled off or auctioned off the old WCW Hulk Hogan Viper 
that everybody remembers from early WCW stuff. And that was also for charity. This has been a big part. I mean, Hulk Hogan loves combining cars and charities for kids, right? He does. And you know, it's, it's a little harder for Hulk to get around and do some of the things that he used to love doing. And he, he did love doing them. I've been a part of a bystander, you know, been along for the ride, so to speak, to watch. But I've seen him do so many things that people have never heard about. Yeah. Because you know, he, and look, you know, Hulk is a, at, at the core of his being, he is a promoter. Most great talents like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan are. That's what they've grown up doing. Look how well Rick, Rick, I think Rick is more, is better known now around the world than he was at the peak of his career. Yes. Easily by a mile in, in, in pop culture. Everybody knows who Ric Flair is like Hulk Hogan. And while he does just like Rick promote himself or he used to a lot more than he does now. um, But there's also the flip side where he has done throughout his entire career, a lot of things for charity and sometimes not even in an organized fashion, but at a very local level. Uh, let's talk about the next match. Boy, this one is going to be something else. Ric Flair and Mick Foley are going to be in an I quit match and unbelievably Ric Flair wins. They got 12 minutes and 47 seconds. Foley goes for Mr. Socko right away, but then he puts barbed wire around it. Flair uses a low blow, but puts the barbed wire sock on his hand and starts chopping Foley, which of course opens up his chest. Foley brings a barbed wire board out. And before long, Flair is bleeding everywhere. By six minutes in Foley's already brought out the thumbtacks and Flair winds up in the thumbtacks. Next comes the barbed wire baseball bat. Foley drove that into Flair's face. Flair's refusing to quit. Flair knocks Foley off the apron where he takes the old nesty plunge bump with his head hitting a garbage can. And they send out trainers and agents and they wave off the match and the bell rang. Flair was furious saying Foley never said I quit. So in his mind, the match wasn't over. He kept rubbing the barbed wire bat in Foley's face, but Foley wouldn't quit. And Flair acts like he's going after the eye and Molina throws in the towel for Foley. Flair stated he didn't accept that as a win and started to threaten to mess up Molina's face with the barbed wire bat and then Foley quit. Meltzer said it was a good match, gave it three and a half stars. Interesting booking, especially to see this much violence. Barbed wire bats, barbed wire boards, thumbtacks, uh, and now a baby face, which I guess is what Flair is here, threatening to disfigure a woman in order to make a heel quit. Woof. Some crazy booking. Walk me through it. Not a fan. Not a fan of it. Didn't like it. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. It, you're the, the guy that's critiquing this match that you're reading from says, what a great match this is. When they talk about, you know, oh, gosh, what a great match. Uh, Saruta and Baba had back in 1973 or whatever. Um it's 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 not. It's a it's a hardcore garbage match uh, with a lot of gimmicks. Um, the story of of Mick saying I quit is a good story. I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old, and crotchety. I'm not a fan of this stuff. I I don't. I just I don't think you need 
that much gore and, and crap. I really don't. I, I'm not a not a big fan of it. And wasn't a fan of it at this point. Didn't need all that. No, I get that. I, uh, I know a lot of fans are turned off by the violence that's here, but it is, um, I mean, I don't know that you could really do this Foley style story without some of this violence. Could you, I mean, what would you have done differently? I, I, I think you could have. Yeah. I, I think you definitely could have. It's just in how you tell the story and there's other ways to do it. Um, without all the gore, it's a matter of taste. It, it's a matter of taste and it's a matter of, of what, what you like. And I think that more people were probably turned off by it than going, Oh, Hey, yeah, gosh, I want to see more thumbtacks and barbed wire in the face. Uh, again, some people like, you know, chocolate ice cream. Some people like, uh, strawberry shortcake. How was flair with this violence, you know, in terms of, you know, the barbed wire and the thumbtacks, this is not what most people associate with the nature boy style, but here he is. Was he hesitant to, to do something like this? I don't think Rick was hesitant. Rick did it. Um, but I, I, again, I've just sit there dumbfounded that, oh, this was a great match and this was excellent. Uh, probably because it had two of his favorite people that call him all the time and tell him how great they are. Um, that that's why he liked the match because when you look at what made Ric Flair great was Ric Flair's matches and his work his in ring work, not his, his gore and, and the use of other things to dress it up. And, you know, two of my favorite people in Mick Foley and Ric Flair. And I've, I've told Mick this before. It's like, Hey man, I get it. And I think Mick Foley's one of the greatest workers ever. One of the greatest talents this business has ever had. And an extremely intelligent, bright guy. Mick Mick likes one thing. I like something else. So to each his own. For me, not crazy about it. How was Rick after the match? Were Rick and Foley on good terms? Did they let by? I mean, I know these days they're fine. They're but- professional. Yeah. Professional is what they were. Do you remember who would have been the agent or who would have helped come up with the only way that we're going to get Foley to quit is if he threatens to hurt Melina? Oh, I have no idea. None at all. What do you think about that creative in and of itself? That that's what gets it done. That Foley can't be beat and he won't quit, but that's, that's the line. I think it was kind of low class. I, I didn't like it. Okay. To take it, to take it to that extreme. I, I didn't think you needed to do that. What did Vince think of a match like that with all the violence? I I would have to believe that he would probably err on err on the side of pretty much what I just what I just aired on. Yeah. Um maybe he liked it, but I, I don't see him looking at that going, Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. Was there a concern amongst any of the locker room that even though this isn't technically an ECW match? Was there a concern that perhaps, oh, this is what they're going to expect us to do on that side? Um, I don't think so. I, I just, you know, it was unnecessary, I guess is the best way to put it. In my opinion. You've heard Mick talk about it for years. AG one, Mick and I absolutely love AG one. We start each and every day with a simple scoop. That's it. That's all we need. One single scoop and a cup of water. 
And buddy, we're getting 75 different high quality ingredients. It's going to hook you up and give you all the key daily nutrients. And it's going to go ahead and support everything you need, your energy, your focus, your strength, your clarity. This is just a, a no brainer to me. Think of it as like your foundational nutrition product. You know, listen, we all get busy and we wind up, well, I didn't want to do this for lunch, but I don't feel like I have an option or, well, I know I need to Dude, this is easy. Just one scoop every single day. You're making sure you're taking care of your most valuable asset. You, you cover all your bases. You're looking for better gut health. You want to boost in energy. You want to support that immune system. Maybe you hate taking pills or vitamins. Maybe you just want a supplement that tastes good. I drink mine every single morning. My wife does hers before she even does her coffee. It makes her feel unstoppable on her way to the gym. And I think it gives me more focus at work. I feel like I'm more productive and I don't have that crash in the afternoon. I feel like I'm more productive all day long. We started this back even before the pandemic started. My wife did, but when the pandemic started, man, she had me start doing it. We've done it every day since we are huge fans. I think you will be too. Even our daughters are into it now. Morgan's actually taking some down to Tuscaloosa with her. With every single serving, you're setting yourself up for success. I just can't recommend it enough. By the way, you don't have to take our word for this. Just go look up their reviews. These cats have thousands of five-star reviews. It's the real deal. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go right now to drinkag1.com slash Foley. That's drinkag1.com slash Foley. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Uh, it's revealed that the mystery network guy who's been tormenting you and Hulk Hogan is Mick Foley. And he cuts a promo that they're dropping TNA and starting up a new promotion called impact wrestling, where the focus will be on wrestling inside the ring. And the first new star he's bringing in is China. And China is going to team with Kurt against Jeff and Karen Jarrett at the sacrifice show. Lots to unpack here. Uh, Mick Foley as the payoff here is good. So he can talk one of the best promos ever. Was there ever any discussion preliminary or otherwise about putting Hulk in a match with Foley? No, no Hulk could barely, um, when Hulk was this, this was the beginning of a really, um, dark period physically. I mean, Hulk could have been a lot of, you know, negative things and been involved with a lot of negative. There was a lot going on in Hulk's life with the divorce and, you know, uh, other issues. It had nothing to do with wrestling, but he was in a ton of pain. This is when the back was really, really starting. It was before the 17 surgeries. I think he had had a couple by then, by 2011. But physically, like when I would show up at the sun, oftentimes I would fly into Tampa uh, the night before, stay at a hotel. Hulk could swing by and pick me up, or I'd meet him at his house, and then we would drive together to Orlando for the show. And we would pull up to the sound stage at Disney and it took Hulk 10 minutes just to get out of the car. So there, there was no thought of matches at this time. And by the way, the, the move, let's talk about McFoley though, is the, the network representative that was whose idea was that you ask? No, you didn't, but I'll tell you anyway, that was my idea. They're bad. Whether you, I, I don't know if you like it ask, or not. I wasn't going to ask because you legitimately said 
I didn't have anything to do with creative in this era. No, 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 no. But, but that move, that was, that move wasn't for this show. Okay. That, that move was a, that was a bigger move that would have impacted all of TV. That was, that was a sub, that was a subject that we had been talking about for weeks or months. How do we, you know, create an authority figure that doesn't feel like every other authority figure, because even by 2011, the authority figure thing was way overdone. And I didn't want to be involved with it. It was tired, especially for me as in my character. Nobody wanted to see that anymore. So we thought about who could that be? And Scott Fishman, who was at Spike TV at the time, the television guy, not the journalist, um, was really big on Mick. And, and I, I was too, obviously, because Mick could, that's a role that's perfect for Mick. And uh, so, yeah, I had, I think I had to convince Mick to do it. I don't think Mick was really excited about it when I first pitched it to him. Match that people are still talking about. What, man, this is a loaded show. Edge pins Mick Foley in a hardcore match in 14 minutes and 37 seconds. I mean, people still talk about the one spot, but they do everything. Meltzer would say Foley took abuse early with a hard cookie sheet and broiler pan shots to the head, followed by a drop kick of a sign into his face. Since this stuff hasn't been done here much of late, it wasn't boring comedy like they had turned it into before. Edge speared Foley, but then sold it because Foley took off his flannel shirt and revealed he had hidden barbed wire underneath. Foley whipped him with the barbed wire and then got a barbed wire uh, bat that he had hidden under the ring steps. Lita ran in and jumped on Foley's back with Lita on his back. He ran towards edge and did his running clothesline spot where all three go over the top rope together and she landed right on her butt, which I suppose is better than landing right on her head. Foley used the neck breaker on the entrance ramp edge would hip toss Foley into the ring steps. And he's going to take a hard bump on his hip here. Then he whips Foley into the uh, steps and took a header. And then edge pulled the table, set it up near the ring. He whips Foley on the entrance ramp and he hits his head on the, uh, uh, the, the grating pretty hard. And he starts to pour lighter fluid on Foley. We know what this is teasing. My goodness. Edge DDT's Foley on a, on a broiler pan. after Lita had him distracted and then edge hits Foley in the chest and the back with that bar bar bat and tears up his head with it, gives him a face buster on it. Foley then pours thumbtacks out and gives edge a back suplex onto thumbtacks. So now edge has tacks sticking all in his back. Foley pulls out Mr. Sacco, but wraps him in barbed wire and puts both Lita and edge in the claw. Lita is now bleeding from the mouth and the finish would see Foley pour the lighter fluid on the table. Lita hits Foley in the knees with that barbed wire bat. And now Lita has lit the table on fire and edge spears Foley. Who's on the apron. Both go through the flaming table and thankfully that's it. Edge wins. Uh, fan gives the, the fans would all give Foley a standing ovation after the match. And I think it's now regarded as Mick Foley's WrestleMania moment, but my God fire at a WrestleMania thumbtacks at a WrestleMania. This is unbelievable. Hated it. I know you do. I can't believe it happened. I can't believe Vince allowed it, but the spectacle of this, it's look unbelievable. The, the, the spectacle and the amount of effort put into it and the performance by everyone involved was by far, uh, no one can knock that. No one can, can, um, say that wasn't 
an unbelievable performance by every single person involved. I just, um, you know, you know me, I'm not a fan of the thumbtacks. I'm not a fan. I was fucking fire. Oh boy. I light something on fire. It crashes through it. It goes out. Um, I just, I, I was, I, not my cup of tea, right? Not my cup of tea. Not something that, that I'm a big fan of. You know, you watch it sometimes you go, holy shit, crash and burn. I always, um, am concerned for the safety of the, of the talent involved and watching it, you know, made me cringe all over again, but two guys that put every, you know, when you talk about putting everything on the line, these guys put everything on the line and put their bodies through unbelievable punishment to deliver a spectacle that will go down, you know, as one of those matches that people will always bring up and recall. Um, Again, it's just not my cup of tea. And uh, there's sometimes, as I get older, that I appreciate it uh, less. What did uh, did Foley think? I think that Foley and Edge both loved it. I I think that they were, were very happy with it, and they should have been proud of it. I mean, they left their heart and soul out there. When they come back through the curtain after a match like that, we're in the middle of a WrestleMania, but boy, this one still stands out. People are still talking about it to this day, but it's not the main event and it's not exactly everyone's cup of tea. Is this a standing ovation and, and gorilla does Vince take off? No idea. Yeah. No idea. I, I, I really don't remember. I remember everybody was more concerned for their well being than anything. And they may have, it was, it was that kind of a match that people appreciate what they did for the business. what do you think of Lita bleeding from the mouth? Um, you know, it was Hollywood shit. It was, it looked cool though. Considering the barbed wire Sako thing, right? It's a nice little payoff, but it, it is female violence with blood. Yeah. And, and not a fan of it at all. What about, um, edge here as a performer, you know, edge had just beaten John Cena for the world title in January. Now he's got this big WrestleMania moment with Foley and fucking fire. Is it, I mean, this is when edge is really hitting his stride as a performer. I mean, he has really leveled his game up and now it is undeniable edge is a top guy. I thought it was undeniable even before this. I think that edge had really come into his own and doing this in, in some ways, you know, people talk about this was edge's moment and, and really did him. I think that in some ways edge did Mick, uh, just as much of a favor in this match as anything. Well, JR Mick, uh, and Kevin Sullivan, speaking of, uh, Sully, as you would say, would even join up with buzz Sawyer and they would call themselves Sullivan's slaughterhouse. Boy, <laughs> what a treat, trio, but great for cactus. Because as you said, he's under that learning tree. Uh, especially of having Kevin Sullivan in his corner, right? Yeah. Well, Sully's a great, uh, psychologist, booker, creator content. And, uh, Mick was still very young at that time, very impressionable. So I thought he was under the, the right limb of the learning tree, quite frankly, with Kevin, they, they, and they, and they got along well, uh, you know, like any other creative entity, they don't always agree, but they always agreed that they're all, they're traveling in the right direction. And that they're doing this because of how, what they believe in. And as far as the product was concerned, Sully is old school as hell, 
and, and Mick was too, to a very large degree. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow would end up replacing uh, Kevin Sullivan in that group. So I'm sorry, uh, Sawyer in that group. So you have Bam Bam, you have Sullivan, and you have Mick Foley. Man, what a what a group of talented individuals at that time. Yeah, it was a good, great collection of heels and uh, <clears throat> guys that were hungry. I don't think anybody in that group was hungrier than Mick. Mick was very motivated to be a success, take better care of his family, you know, uh, better than the normal wrestling lot. So uh, he, he was very, very motivated, was Mick. And but he's always been that way, even when he made it when he was quote unquote over in his WWF years, uh, he still worked like he was broke. And that's one thing we all use. A lot of guys used to laugh about that. You know, police taking these bumps, like he's broke. That's just his style. He, when he was making big money and he had big money, uh, he, he, he wrestled like this was almost like a, a audition every time out, which I found to be really admirable, quite frankly. It's announced that the, uh, Gillespie agency, or they actually make the announcement that Mick Foley has signed a short-term deal with TNA. It's a combination of both a deal with TNA and spike TV. Tell me how that deal came together. I mean, this is a, a big time name and a big star and a big signing and somebody you probably once upon a time thought was unattainable for TNA. And now here you are, you land him here in late summer, 2008. How, how does this come together? Uh, you know, I don't know the exact ins and outs of what happened with him in WWE, but obviously he became on the open market and there's no bigger fan of Mick Foley, uh, than Jeff Jarrett, uh, you know, me and Mick, I feel like we almost started together cause he came to Tennessee. Uh, I mean, in the late eighties and then, you know, we, we paired him up with Robert Fuller and then he went out to Texas and had success there. So the first two territories he really worked were, were for my family. So we go way, way back, but to see him evolve as a character and obviously the, the taker match, the hell in the cell and the evolution, but his promo skills and, 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 and his, uh, yeah, by this time, his legendary run, when he came on the open market, um, it was an absolute no brainer. And he wasn't real sure how he wanted to kind of navigate his career at the time. Maybe this is at the beginning of the spoken word tours. He had come off. I don't know how many books he had written at this time, uh, one or two, but Mick just, uh, obviously the world knows how successful and introspective and articulate he is, but to get him to be a part of the brand again, was a huge win and mix an easy negotiation, you know, Barry Bloom. Um, I've said it many, many times. He's top five smartest guys in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, I say that with the facts, not an opinion. Um, and, and, you know, Barry and myself's conversations and to get Mick on board, um, Spike loved it. It was another, you know, cause he had a relationship with, with Viacom. So it was a win, win, win. And as we got into the main event mafia, in a lot of ways, Mick was super valuable to that story. You know, uh, I was, I, I had often thought about, uh, that maybe, uh, in AEW, maybe we should have this very bizarre character, like, um, like a mankind. Yeah. But then when I see Mick Foley do it, I'm thinking no one can 
can top that. No one can pull it, that off. No, no one could pull it off like him. And anything, anything that that we would do or anything that would be done today would be compared to him and would be, wouldn't be good. I mean, even when they did abyss in TNA, a lot of people said, oh, that's a mankind and Kane ripoff. I mean, I I think, uh, people always sort of look to the original and say, Hey, that that's as good as it's going to get. Right. Well, listen, this is, uh, this shows you where we're at in life at this point. Mick Foley goes out on his MySpace account and writes how he needs to be in better shape to keep up with you. Uh, do you think that was just his real feelings? Do you think this? Yes, <laughs> it was his real feelings. He was being completely honest because he came to me at least five times and said, listen, man, you got, you got to slow down. You got to, you know, be less intense. You know, I want to, I want to make it through the whole match. So you're going to have to take it easy on me. And he didn't mean by bumping him around. He didn't care about getting bumped. It was the problem was how intense I was, how, how hard I was going to wrestle. Kurt, the bigger question for you is, did you ever have a MySpace account? <laughs> no, I never had one. I don't think I want one either. Kurt, I already have you, enough accounts. The even bigger question is, do you even know what MySpace is? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm not a computer guy. I'm not it's a all good, guy. man. It, 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 Listen, Facebook took I'm over the world. People, I don't get apps. I call 800 numbers, okay? <laughs> and I get mad when they don't want to answer right. or they, they tell you to go straight to an app. I'm like, I don't do apps. You know, just talk to me. 800 numbers, like 800 fat girls where it's just so easy to stick it in. <laughs> yep, your credit card, that is. Okay. Well, listen, on Impact, for some reason, you take on Jarrett and Foley in a three-way and you walk out to the ring with the, the title or mafia members. Eric Young is also the referee. And at the end, you put the ankle lock on Foley and Eric Young rings the bell, claiming Mick gave up, even though Foley was yelling, no, no, no. I mean, not exactly what you're looking at to sell the upcoming pay-per-view, is it? No, man. We should have had an all-out brawl, a no contest. Uh, it should have been a brawl to the end. I, I believe that Mick and I should have been double, um, you know, double countdown, uh, count out. Yeah. Uh, something that, that, that would continue the match to the pay-per-view. Keep but the interest going. Walk and having yeah. the match fixed, you know, Eric Young, you know, saying he tapped out when he didn't, it was just a little weird. Well, we're uh, going to talk about what's next. We should mention though, that his, his contract status is in jeopardy, at least according to the observer, it's written on the May 5th edition that Mick's contract was due to expire and he hasn't signed a renewal and his deal isn't due until the fall. But it feels like that means he was originally signed to, I guess, what we might call a short-term deal, eighteen months or so. Does that sound right? When he yeah, maybe two years, maybe. I don't remember the exact dates, Conrad. That's sure. Too much minutia for that, and that too many months ago. But I mean, look, I was lucky getting hired. There was no, uh, well, we're going to do three years or five years or whatever. Let's just get his ass a jersey and get him on the team, get him in the locker room, let everybody see what he can do. Cause he was so motivated to, to run with this opportunity. Uh, and that's, I always appreciated that of him. So, uh, but I think maybe the, the Sid thing, it was just a matter of, uh, sometimes I think Sid his tolerance for the travel and his tolerance for the business in general at times were not his strong suit. They were not his cup of tea. So, uh, 
And you wonder, you know, if Sid had, Sid had been able to stay healthy and stay on, on active consistently, how great he could have been and how much money he would have drawn, how much more money he would have drawn if that had been able to occur. I guess what I wanted to ask about was, did you guys eventually get to a place where you would say, you know, or, or Vince would say, Hey, as a rule of thumb, you know, if we're going to bring a guy in, we need to sign him for at least I'm freestyling three years, because it's going to take us a year to figure out what the hell to do with him. And then hopefully, you know, blah, blah, blah. Was there some sort of method to the madness in terms of contract length back then that you guys fell into like a new normal as a rule of thumb, we'll do this or not so much. I don't think so much. I think, uh. You know, what turned the table for Mick, uh, is McMahon sneaking into the studio and watching us do that interview. We did that sit down he and I, where he ended up giving me the mandible claw. I'm still not over Conrad. I'm traumatic. I'm upset about it right now. Uh, I'm glad I'm wearing darks again. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I short term deal. Look, we're going to know. First of all, Vince didn't want to hire him as we, we worn that out. We only give him a chance to, to let me see what it's like to have my heart broken by somebody that I really, uh, uh, had high expectations for. And I personally had made an emotional investment with, with, in, uh, but I, I think we, our th thought was if we're going to get anything out of Nick, we'll know within the two, around the two year, in two years, at least two years. We should know with, by then what we got, is he going to be a baby face is we thought he was always going to be a heel. I, I signed him because I wanted him to work with the undertaker, right? I needed a six foot four inch heel to match up with a seven foot baby face. Just do the frigging math. It, you know, undertaker need to be put in jeopardy. The baby face cannot survive unless they have a viable heel that puts that said baby face in jeopardy puts him in the deep water and tries to drown him. And so, uh, that's how I look at that scenario with Mick. If we can't figure something out for him in two years, then the self fulfilled prophecy comes true. He just didn't have it to make it in WWE, which we all know was not true. Let's talk about, uh, when he does return, he's coming back as dude love and on TV, the new age outlaws are going to destroy him. After he pins Billy Gunn in a one-on-one -on -one match, this is obviously the beginning of an angle with the New Age Outlaws. Uh, but some folks online are worried: what is the future of Foley here with the company? And since he was out in protest and he's back and, and getting double teamed like this, a lot of people are wondering: was he sending feelers out on the WCW side of things? Did you ever worry that hey? This might be the straw that broke the camel's back. He's ready to move on. Well, how's he going to move on Conrad with the signing of five-year extension? How's that going to work? He, 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 where's he going to go? You're under contract. You committed. We're paying you. We're paying you a lot of money. You're being booked a lot. You know, all these pay-per-views we've talked about here today. He got paid for all those, by the way, and got paid good. So I don't know where he would have gone. Uh, so no, I don't think there was any apprehension. The apprehension was simply. Let's get him past this and refocus on doing his work. If you need a week or two or a month, whatever, we're going to give it to you. But after, after, after missing two days of TV, he's back at work, but that's what he needed at that time. 
So I, I thought it worked. I thought it worked out as good as it could under the very uncomfortable situation. We should, we should talk about, uh, where you think Foley ranks oh, wow. like on the all time list of workers performers, yeah, just as far as in-ring performers, personas in the business, wow. just participants in the wrestling industry. Like I have to admit, even before, uh, I started working with him on the podcast, I sort of came around and, and thought, you know, a lot of people should have him on their Mount Rushmore. Like mm, the dude yeah. was the funniest commissioner, right? He did fine at color commentary. Uh-huh. He was a good GM. He was a great, he wrote great books. Now he does great podcasts. He does incredible one man shows, right? He pulled off uh, a, a baby face, you know, boyhood dream character that most people would have thought never had a chance and dude love. Uh-huh. He gave it a hardened edge. He got over a crazy, maniacal, sadistic cactus Jack. Uh-huh. He did the crazy deathmatch stuff. And then he did, you know, really feel good stuff with, uh, with some of his other work and then Mick Foley and Holt, this is your life. And the pairing with Austin and the pairing with rock, then just the mankind character, one set of entrance music, another set of exit, pulling his own hair out, a mandible claw. Like the dude could, you know, wrestle the undertaker or Shawn Michaels or mill mascaris. And he was willing to do whatever. And you've talked a lot about how, you know, kids these days are taking too many risks and blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's no better example of that than Mick Foley, who did all of that craziness in his twenties and like very, very early thirties. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I've come around on him. Maybe if he, even if he's not in your Mount Rushmore, he's gotta be top 10 all-time contributor to wrestling. I think. Yeah. Top 10. If, if you talk about contributors to wrestling, he is top 10. Yes. Uh, it's funny. We always talk about the Mount Rushmore. Well, you have to define your Mount Rushmore. Yes. Best workers, best promo, best all time, uh, best longevity. Um, I, it's just, it's very, very hard to do that. One of the, uh, challenges, or I guess some feedback too, that fans have called out or noticed or whatever the case may be, is that it seems like whoever was the champion in TNA, you know, they had a lot of control and then you always typically had at least three people that were different authority figures in, in the company as well. Do you feel like that? as a result of that, there was a, a big logic gap sometimes in TNA. Yeah. Because the champion always called the shots and the champion was always right. The champion always said what, what would go on. It was kind of weird because we did have authority figures that we should have been listening to and following, but the champion usually did whatever he wanted to do. Well, Meltzer goes on to say, Kurt said Nash, Booker T and Steiner are willing to put their titles up for grabs for the fans entertainment. He said, with Jeff Jarrett at home and Sting licking his wounds thousands of miles away, there's only one person left to deal with, and that's Mick Foley. He asked, what does Mick Foley really do? He said he lets the inmates run the asylum, and he's not the wrestler he once was. He said that he's just taking up space in his sweatpants. Foley's music then interrupted. Angle's whole promo was disguised as a heel promo, but in reality, it was propaganda that matches the reality of TNA that the millionaires club had created and that management has enabled. Were you worried that they kept booking Mick in the ring with you at this point, Kurt? No, I mean, listen, Mick, no matter what you think about Mick or whether he was over the hill or whatever, Mick is an experienced wrestler. He's been in the ring for numerous years, 30 something years. He can kind of promo better than anybody else. He go in that ring, even if he didn't wrestle for 10 years and he could still have a great match. I didn't, I wasn't that concerned that Mick was in the ring and 
you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered to me if we would have wrestled 25 times or 50 times. I, you know, getting in the ring with Mick Foley, I was never concerned about that. All right. By now, you know that, uh, Mick and I both like to save money. He's frugal McDougal, and I've been known to save a dollar or two, but let me give you a little pro tip on saving money because that's the old thing we're looking for, right? It's like, we've always heard. It's not how much you make, but how you save. Well, maybe you're like me and you've fallen for a good deal here and there. Or so we thought try it free for 30 days. Well, that's enough time to try it and then completely forget about it. I have to admit I did this before rocket money, rocket money showed me all the subscriptions that I'd signed up for. And dude, I wasn't using a bunch of them. I had no idea that both my wife and I signed up for Hulu, but we watched TV together. We don't need two accounts. We needed one account. I even had a subscription that was very expensive to DAZN. I bought it over a year prior just to watch one fight and forgot about it. They just kept drafting and I missed it. So let me ask you this. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? I thought I was spending like 80 bucks a month. Man, when it was all said and done, I was spending hundreds per month. It's time you find out exactly what you're spending with rocket money. You see rocket money is a personal finance app that helps you find and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. It's even going to help you monitor your spending and help you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have a subscription they forgot about. Maybe you signed up for the stars app to watch one show, or maybe you got like a free gaming trial, but you never actually used it. That's where rocket money comes in. They will quickly and easily find the subscriptions for you. Any you don't want, man, you just hit cancel rocket money does the rest for you. It's that easy. Rocket money can also help you manage your finances in one place. You can automatically categorize your expenses. So it's easy to track your budget in real time and you'll get alerted. If anything looks off over 3 million people have used rocket money so far, saving the average person up to $720. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash Foley. That's rocketmoney.com slash Foley, rocketmoney.com slash Foley. Let's talk about something that might've made this show a little bit better. I can't believe this is real. This is right out of the observer. A name who met with Titan this past week, November 20th was cactus. Jack Jack, who has just moved from New York to Atlanta was thought due to his look and style to be a wrestler. that WWF would never be interested in, but times have changed. He was said to be very close to going with some saying it could be shortly after Royal rumble Heyman supposedly told the WWF officials, which have been attempting to make friends rather than enemies that he didn't want to lose Jack until he could properly finish up this current program, which it's, which he said would be April of 1996. And the WWF said they were in no hurry to bring him in. The WWF is also looking at ECW as a place where they can send their own wrestlers to get work next year. Since they aren't going to be running as many house shows and guys are already complaining about not getting enough dates. Jack is longtime good friends with Troy Martin. AKA the WWF's Dean Douglas, who is well known to be unhappy with his situation in Titan, which may prove to be a factor as well. A lot to unpack here, I guess, to provide some context, uh, WCW and cactus Jack have parted ways. Cactus is now at this point, either number one or number two, probably as far as an indie draw. 
and he is one of the featured performers for Paul Heyman's Extreme Championship Wrestling, which really started to take shape in 94, but most people think 95 was probably their best year creatively. And Cactus Jack is right in the middle of all that and showed America he could do a totally different style promo than what we had seen maybe in Dallas or Atlanta. JR has been a big proponent of this over the years. He's told us that eventually Vince would acquiesce to his push to sign Mick Foley, but he, I think you told us on the show, he really wanted him to wear a mask. And I think it was almost said maybe tongue in cheek that Vince, uh, allegedly told JR, I'm going to let you hire this guy. So you know what it likes to get your heart broken because he just had no confidence in him. And of course we know right after WrestleMania 12, He's going to set the woods on fire as mankind and he's off to the races and becomes a bona fide hall of famer in, in anybody's hall of fame. Tell us about cactus Jack's meeting here, November 20th, probably the first time he's ever met with Vince, right? As a matter of fact, it was, there was one other close encounter that didn't happen at LaGuardia airport one time. Um, but Jack did not get an opportunity to meet Vince on that day. The, you know, is we were looking for people to, to come in and cactus was one of those guys that both, you know, Jr. and I liked an awful lot. And sometimes how you push someone and insist, <laughs> you know, uh, that, you got to hire this person for whatever reason. I, I think that that can hamper someone sometime in that you have a preconceived notion or preconceived idea based on whoever it is that's putting them in front of you. So with, with cactus Vince saw the guy from WCW that did a lot of crazy things things that Vince thought, thought were too dangerous. And then several years later, agreed to let him take that bump off the cell, not the one through the cell, but the one, uh, onto the announce table. Hey, before you move and, on, well, do you remember what bump really stood out to Vince? I think the one that a lot of people took, there was the whole match with Vader at Halloween havoc. Yeah. Where uh, he pulled the, where he pulled the, 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 the mats up and took that bump onto the concrete. Okay. So that was on their TV. I wanted to know if it was that, or perhaps that mill maskers thing from clash of the champions where he did a flat back on the concrete off of the aprons. I, it was a lot of that. And, and you know, Cornette was also high on cactus at the time too. Sure. And you have to, again, you have to look at how you sell someone, know your audience where Vince wasn't into the gore and Vince wasn't into some of those crazy bumps. Don't sell that part. Sell the part of the, you know, the intelligent and, um, psychology of, cactus and what he did and, and the human being behind that Mick Foley. And I didn't know Mick, uh, personally, I, I had met him before and talked to him. I was a big fan of his work, but everyone that I knew that did know Mick spoke very highly of Mick Foley and just what a wonderful human being that there was behind that character. So it's, you sell the human being and the rest will come. And also during this time, Jack was doing a uh, character in ECW that he was anti-hardcore or he was hardcore. And he was the, the stuff that I loved and that I was able to show Vince a different side of Cactus 
was he was riding the merry-go-round with his daughter and Channing. I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. And then riding around in the little train in the amusement park. And <laughs> I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. And sitting in a side headlock for 15 minutes in a match and chanting, I'm hardcore. And he was the antithesis of everything that ECW stood for. So it was brilliant. It was brilliant on Paul's part. It was brilliant on Mick's part. That character and that build of Cactus Jack. So when Vince saw that dimension, he saw, oh, well, wait a minute. This is, this is some entertaining stuff. The guy doesn't have to yell and scream. He wasn't doing his Cactus Jack, bang, bang, you know, Terry Funk impersonation. And he was being Mick Foley and telling us a story that people could relate to. So getting, getting Mick in, and I think that JR and I were both extremely confident that once Mick Foley got in a room with Vince McMahon and was able to sit down with him and they were able to have a conversation, that was all that we had to do. We just needed to get them in a room. And we finally did. Do you remember Vince's takeaway after the meeting? I'm sure you've seen the look on Vince's face after you meet with a talent for the first time and you can just tell Oh, that didn't go well or holy shit. Vince love this guy. Well, uh, I wasn't in the meeting with, with Mick and Vince, but Vince's reaction after the meeting, when he comes out and he starts pitching ideas right away, that's a good sign. Right. So, and, and that's exactly what he did. Vince came out and had this mankind image in his head and thought that old Mike Foley would, uh, be able to pull it <laughs> off. Let's go a few weeks later, January 24th, the Royal rumble. It's a rematch here for the rock and mankind for the, uh, world title. It's an, I quit match. And this winds up being one of the more brutal matches of all time. We've talked about this in long form, uh, check it out in our archives. If you'd like, uh, it's 21 minutes, 46 seconds. The gist is they play a tape from a mankind promo earlier in the night when Foley has the mic in front of him. His lifeless body, so it seems, at the rocket shoved it down there, and they play the tape over the PA. I quit, and I quit. So it's a screw job finish, but that's not really the story. The story is, and it's hard to watch now. Brutal chair shots to the head over and over and over again, and Meltzer would crucify it, as a lot of people do if you go back and watch it. We don't know. We didn't know what we know now about head trauma. We should say that. And thankfully, I don't think we'll ever see anything like this ever again. What were you thinking watching that match live? I know we've talked about it before, but it's worth briefly touching on here. Yeah. A lot of cringing. Uh, it, it was, it was violent. It was brutal and very, you know, look, it's not just difficult to watch now. It was difficult to watch back then. It was something that you were like, okay, I've seen it. Enough is enough and move on. But it was ugly is the best way to describe it. And Barry Blaustein went on to, to make that a focal point of beyond the mat. Um, yeah. It's just, it's hard to watch. It really is. And, and even 
being quote hardcore in the business type stuff, nothing nothing will prepare you for that. It it just was a testament to the toughness of Mick Foley, and that's not always good. Let's also mention there is a little bit of uh, hurt feelings on the other end of this. Mick Foley would write about it in his book where he didn't feel like the rock took care of him and maybe the rock took some liberties and I'm sure they've fixed it over the years, but do you remember hearing anything about there being some hurt feelings at the time? At the time? No. And I think that there was a, there was an overall feeling from probably everyone involved in the match and, and those around the business it may have been a little too much that you look at it at the time, and this was something that both guys really wanted to do. Sounds great on paper before you actually do it, but when you're in the middle of it, it's, it's, it's hard to get that eraser out and, and change what you have written in your mind. So you, you go through with it. Um, and, and in fairness, he probably, uh, you know, listen, I've never talked to the rock about this, but I assume he probably got a little bit caught up in the moment and you're running on adrenaline and crowd reaction. And you know, you sort of get lost in it and it's not like you can properly communicate with this person who is, is quote unquote selling. So, I mean, I could see how it would happen, but I also feel like if, if, if somebody was really hurt or there were hurt feelings, that there's probably going to be a conversation after. Well, I would hope so. And in the moment, in the heat of the action, it is it is oftentimes hard to hard to say. I, I remember Mick Foley coming back after the Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker in Pittsburgh and having thumbtacks all over him and saying to me, Hey, I apologize for not getting the thumbtack spot. Right. It's like, uh, Mick, you did get the thumbtack spot and they're stuck all over you. So in the heat of the moment, you don't always know. You ask a guy, are you okay? Right. They say, yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. Right. Um, in the heat of the moment, he may have just been saying, yeah, I'm okay. Let's go. Maybe he didn't say anything because he didn't say anything and he's good. Um, when someone's hurt, they'll say, no, I'm hurt. Yeah. And some guys don't want to do that. Well, not only that too, but you got to remember Nick may not have I mean, listen, he clearly got a concussion during this. So he's probably not where he can properly communicate and rock, not knowing what we know about head trauma. I guess the reason I keep giving a caveat there is I'm trying to say, I don't think the rock intentionally meant to do permanent harm to anyone. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds silly, but the rock has been crucified for this over the years. And it was a different time where we didn't know what we know now, and I, it'll never happen again, but. It's just hard for me to imagine that anyone would maliciously and purposefully with, with bad intent, do anything to Mick Foley. If that makes sense. I, I know for a fact, I mean, I, no one can sit there, but I, I know, I know rock, I know Mick and I don't even think that they could convince me, uh, that rock could convince me. Yeah. I wanted to take his head off. I, I wouldn't believe it. Right. You know, I just I know that there was a lot of respect and admiration between the two, and both are professionals. So you couldn't convince me that um, 
that Rock was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take liberties and swing at the guy without having – they did discuss it ahead of time and had an idea of how brutal it would be. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just worse in real life, folks, and people get carried away trying to trying to paint a picture right. that they have in their head that sometimes they can't they can't see. You can't see the forest for the trees. And there is also the old um it's not who goes over, it's who got over deal. And if you're trying to build the hey, the rock is mankind. I mean, not the rock, but mankind is rocky. And he has no, you know, he's not, there's no quit in him. You, you can't, he's <coughs> never going to do that. So supposedly they had agreed on five chair shots. It becomes 11 and there's hurt feelings. The other thing that's of note here that we have touched on, and I, I want to move on from this, but beyond the mat, Barry Blaustein is there filming Mick's wife, Colette and, and the kids all ringside watching their husband and dad get obliterated by the chair. And man, that's kind of hard to watch in the movie. In hindsight, do you think Vince regrets allowing Blaustein to film the family here? Because doesn't exactly paint the best picture of the company. Yeah, and and we've done, you know, a whole podcast on that movie in and yeah. of itself. And and I will still stand by it wasn't represented. It was going to be a documentary and something that was going to be in film houses and art houses, not distributed commercially. So. Yes. The answer to that question is yes, because I think that people will often gravitate to the negative and the sensationalistic um, of anything. Just that's easy. You know, people want to see that. People want to see what they're not supposed to see. People want to, they are, are intrigued with negativity, which is sometimes hard to comprehend, but I get it. And, so, yeah, I think that they portrayed this in a way, in a way, but I don't know it was an accurate way. The next night on Raw, Big Boss Man is going to beat The Rock. That's right. The Big Boss Man beats The Rock in a hardcore match to determine the number one contendership. Rock's going to grab a camera and take a photo during the match. Lots of brawling through the crowd. He's even going to whip The Boss Man with Earl Hebner's belt. He uses The Rock bottom on the stage. Prince Albert runs in. Um, Rock hits Albert with a chair, gives Bossman the people's elbow. Albert makes the save. Bossman gets the pin in four minutes and 41 seconds with that Bossman slam, and the Rock goes nuts, destroying Bossman with a chain and Albert with a TV monitor. Everybody's bleeding. Rock also destroys Sergeant Slaughter, another referee, and even your brother, Dr. Tom. So we're seeing a badass version here of the Rock. Is this to show? The, the dark side, the mean side, the angry side. What are we trying to accomplish with the rock here in this segment? Well, I like to call that going Samoan. Okay. And rock did it. Rock did it pretty damn good. And this was an opportunity to just show an unhinged rock and holy shit. You piss this guy off. Well, what's going to happen? So yeah, that was, that was a going Samoan rock and be able to go out and beat everybody's ass you then have completely forgotten that he just got pinned for one, two, three. This episode and every episode is brought to you by blue chew. We love talking about blue chew here on Folia's pod. It's like a hot tag for your wiener. 
seriously, this is for guys who are looking to put on a five-star performance. Maybe you've been living under a rock. Let me explain. Blue Chew is a unique online service. Delivers you the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And Bluetooth wants to have you have better sex. Why not? Discover those options at bluechew.com. Let's chew it and do it, y'all. And boy, we got a special deal for our listeners. Try it. That's right. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code Foley at checkout, just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is Foley. You receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was going to tell you. I had a, un, I had an unexpected guest. Drop That's where I was going to go. JR, before <laughs> we jump into this, talk about who dropped in on you today before this recording. Well, it wasn't Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh, Mick Foley, Mick texted me earlier in the day, or he, I don't know if he texted me, he, whatever was the cheapest thing he could do to communicate with me. He did. I don't know if he was texting me or direct messaging me or <laughs> de- filling my DMS up or whatever, <laughs> but I didn't realize he was working on Saturday night, I guess, Saturday for Billy Corgan at the NWA show, uh, whatever it was. That's right. Hard times not, too. You're right. You're right. And, uh, and, uh, uh, is that Mick Foley again? Is he popping in again? No, somebody else from, oh, my, okay. from, from my home area code probably want me to do it an interview about the football coaching situation, ah. which normally I would, but uh, right now I'm doing something more, even more fun. Uh, Mick, then he, he drove Mick lives an hour South of me here. And I didn't realize that. And so, uh, I, he said, I've been wanting to come by and see you. He said, I feel guilty. And I, he said, so he drove from Atlanta. Uh, he did, he drove this trip. So he drove from Atlanta to his, going to his home and he passed right through Jacksonville. So he knocks on the door and there he is bigger than life. And I mean, bigger than life. <laughs> oh, he's gotta be three 30. He's an ounce. God on the bless wolf. Him. Uh, oh, I, I love him. But he's, I said, Mick, you gotta, we talked about the booking and that, you know, the work life after you're in a company and he, he takes all these bookings and you know, he'll drive a zillion miles. Yeah. I, I had, a, I, I tell a story one time that. Uh, he played a little, uh, a state fair barn on the fairgrounds in Oklahoma city did his show and he invited Jan and I to come watch a show, which we were very happy for the invitation and gladly accepted. So we get there, we park in the back cause that's where the boys park. And so we parked in the back and there was a little bitty white car sitting there and I looked inside the car and it was, it was. This, there was water burger wrappers everywhere, sacks, hamburger wrappers, big drinks, big milkshakes would fit in. And I said, well, there's a mixed car. Well, how do you know? 
I said, because all that, look at all this Whataburger stuff. So when we get in there and we, we hug and I said, Mick, is that your white car right there? Yeah. So I looked at Jan and she, she like, she just kind of grinned like that's, you know, you know, way more than you need to know about Mick Foley's dietary, uh, strategies. So anyway, uh, he came by and we had a great visit and I love the guy, you know, he was, he's so grateful that I was able to help him back in the day. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I was in a position to help. Him. So he never disappointed, never failed. He always played well in every big game he was in. And so, you know, we talk about football and all these guys delivering on the, on the big stage. Mick's always delivered. And so, uh, but, but you can tell the, you know, I think he's got a new hip, he's got a new knee or something. Hell he's either reassembling him, but all those years of those crazy fucking bumps, he's paying for it now. Well, that was nice of him to stop by and try to cheer you up. Jr. with everything you have going on. The last time I know Mick tried to cheer somebody up and was in the hospital and he pulled out a sock puppet. He didn't try to do that with you today. He didn't bring Mr. Socko along. Did he? Mr. Socko was not here. Okay. He was more than welcome, but he wasn't here. And, uh, Mr. Socko, <laughs> isn't it funny how the simplest things sometimes just get over because of the individuals involved in the bit. McMahon, Austin, and Foley. You can write anything. It's not going to, it's not going to suck. It may not be as good as Mr. Socko, but it's not going to suck. And that's why when people say the cream always rises, that's a, that statement kind of confirms that, that illustration rather, uh, that, that you get the right ingredients. That's not saying that you can't have a stinker, but you lessen your odds of having a stinker. If you get higher level talents, you know, exercising their, your game plan, a man in his tube sock and wow, how that took off. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah they, so anyway, he's, uh, he's doing good. He's good. seems to be happy and you know, uh, He's got that big family and, and, uh, they're unique. It's like old Mick, the, the, the patriarch is a unique man. And, and, uh, he's just the, he'll always be one of my all-time favorites. Just as a human being, he does so many things to help, uh, people that need wrestlers that need, you know, fund me, go fund me stuff. Yes. And, and, and he sells a shirt off his back at every show and donates that he's just a a good human being that you wonder, well, when is this gig going to be up? Cause nobody can be that nice. Yes, they can. We all can. It's commitment. And Mick is committed to being a, a good guy. And he was, he was raised by his, uh, had good moms and a good mom and dad. Well, Jr. you were huge influential on him, even getting on with the WWF back in the day, as far as him coming on and signing. So. I know you are important to him as you are to so many of us. I'm uh, thrilled to hear that your treatment is going on, is going well so far. And I'm excited to hear about that dream scenario of what you're talking about, of potentially the last treatment and then showing up that night on Dynamite, man. That That would be unbelievable. This worked out that way. And uh, let's just hope, knock on wood, that the plan stays intact. That's the game plan. There we go. And I'll be... It'll, it'll be jacked to, to get to, uh, drive over to the stadium and, and, and Daly's place to do our thing. And that's kind of, you know, we've gotten the habit of doing that for a long time, which is why I'm living here. 
not that I regret being on the beach. It's not a bad deal. So mix us. So you got to get up every day. And look at that, huh? <laughs> so anyway, we, it was a great visit. Good. I, I just saw it, it. If you go to Mick Foley's, uh, Twitter page or yeah, Twitter at real Mick Foley. He's got a nice picture. He and I on the, on the, uh, my balcony with a nice view of the beach and the ocean. Oh, very nice. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good dude. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-free shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like title chase, Eric fires back conversations with Conrad and the insiders plus new series like the book with David Crockett, Monday mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early. You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch alongs, Q and A's and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And Hey, when you do the first week is completely free Adfreeshows.com. free shows.com.